Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Children, it is time. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 506, Fun and Games, is sponsored by Fresh Zandarian Snails. Find moist creatures distasteful? They're not as bad as the fat mouths slurping them down. A great line, an episode where S.H.I.E.L.D. is certainly returning to form. And Pete, I just can't help but notice. I know that we, you know, sometimes we have a little fun with hashtag it's all connected. What a weird connection that we have in our family of podcasts over the course of three days. Today, Friday, two days from now, Sunday, three days total, we have actors turned directors directing episodes of shows that we podcast clark greg directing tonight's episode uh jonathan frakes directing the next episode of star trek discovery as it returns for chapter two pete the only way that it could get better is if we had some sort of like teen superpower drama to really even things out (laughs) yes with the runaways uh finale of season one coming on uh tuesday uh january 9th we'll be covering that as well but matt just to back it up real quick and i i think it's unique enough when you get an actor who directs other actors um how about actors in these franchises directing episodes of these franchises i think that's even more rare pete I remember all the way back in February 2014 when we had the honor of interviewing Clark Gregg on this podcast. And uh, that question came up. You asked him, ever going to direct an episode? And uh, at the time, it, it, it seemed like you know a no-go probably for a variety of reasons, including he's concentrating on his job and other people are concentrating on other jobs. But here we are, Pete, that Gregg-directed episode. And uh, certainly is nice. Pete... In the remaining 10 seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that we have ahead of us, <laughs> doubtless, see, I've, I've seen the future, I think they're all going to get their their turn to direct. Let's hope this turns into Star Trek, which was known as a uh, director training school amongst its uh, its actors back in the heyday. And Matt and I say all the time off air, I think I've mentioned it a couple times, if the Marvel Cinematic uh, universe TV portion isn't the modern day equivalent of uh, Star Trek back in the day um, with, you know, the number of series they had concurrently at most Matt two, <laughs> oh, only two series on at the same time. Then I don't know what is. Well, Pete, I know what is it's time for us to dive into this episode. When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser, Matt, begins with a boy waking, uh, and he has scissors here. They're going to have to do. He catches up with Gretch, uh, something about a tin here. Uh, he, He gets one token in trade here. He was hoping for three. Later, he runs into Citrus, who has Citrus, hence the name citrus uh and he gets uh he doesn't get any citrus though uh he goes to see grill sorry junior no charities today uh but he does produce the scissors for him and uh this boy will later come to know as flint he gets 
an orange. He does. And it's a really, really evocative introduction of, uh, of the as yet unnamed Flint because we see him not just acting congenial, but we see him being resourceful. He wants those citrus from citrus, but he can't get it. So he, you know, continues to sell his wares until he gets the thing that he wants. Uh, Pete adding to the heartbreaking, heart, heart, heartbreaking moment. He's chomping on that orange. Then he gets yanked by the blues. The incompletely eaten orange on the floor there looking all mm-hmm. sad. Come back, orange, come back. Yeah, and we find out from Colson here after he is grabbed that uh, Cassius is uh, rounding up in humans to sell. He's got his own Cronenberg science division. Uh, and then Tess tells us the bad news. Her, her friend here has been, uh, has been squirreled away by those Cree as we hit the title sequence. We are in the swanky portions of the lighthouse here, Pete, as we come back from that title card. More impressive people have arrived. We have Tall Lady. We have Senator Gaius Palurium and... Uh, <laughs> They're all just they're all just incredible people. Senator Guys, by the way, Pete, wears lots of rings. The actor noted that on Twitter today. And uh, Fitz is reminded that he's or he might be surrounded by the worst of the worst, but he is the worst of the worst of the worst. And uh, his name is Bosch Talk, which Pete, if that's not a if that's not a Star Wars action figure, I don't know what is. Well, I mean, the Bosch definitely has some uh you know, idea of the Princess Leia bounty hunter uh, disguise that she wore into uh, Jabba's palace. Boosh is the uh, is the identity there, you know, kind of got the grill across the, the mask and everything like that. So I, I think there was definitely a nod. We had the Empire Strikes Back nod last time. You know, I love you. I know as uh, Fitz gets uh, frozen. Why not, you know, just kick it forward once uh, to uh, Return of the Jedi? It's all connected, Pete. It's all connected across this vast, vast Disney empire. Um, moments of levity, though, as he's as he is reminded he's this alien marauder. He has this metal across his across his chest, but uh, he's reminded that it's made of larva, not of diamonds. And it symbolizes how many lives he's taken, this impressive brooch that uh, Cassius later notices. Uh, with that, Simmons arrives, Fitz is silenced, and um, it is Cassius who notes Fitz from across the room, notes that Fitz, a.k.a. Bosch Talk, has a vast fortune, so, uh, so we want to keep an eye on this guy. They are looking, of course, to uh, get some credits spent. And then Pete in... The most heartfelt mm-hmm. scene we've had all season. Fitz approaches Simmons, who's doing something at the table, her back to him. He doesn't know that she can't hear him, Pete. It's also a metaphor for relationships. He pours his heart out, saying that he can't live without her. He even proposes marriage and gets no response. And it's when he tugs at her that Cassius arrives. And Fitz, Pete, gives the worst customer service you know <laughs> review ever. you know yeah yeah it's one star that, that lighthouse yelp is is blowing up right now bosh talk says slaves not prepared to help me out with even the slightest thing one star the the dramatic irony of us knowing simmons can't hear fits 
for a moment, I thought they were going to zag Matt and, and have her like, bloop, I, I've learned to turn it off. Oh, there you are, Fitz. I heard every word. I'm mad at you for some reason. <laughs> I, I just thought maybe it was going to go that direction. I'm, I'm glad it didn't. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's that, you know, maudlin reunion we we've come to expect out of the two of them particularly the way this episode goes even that they would get together at the end triumphantly we just don't expect that from fitzsimmons we don't and um i love how quickly on the one hand fitz is able to put on the bad guy act but again reminder it's actually not an act he is he is merely um you know, returning momentarily, or at least returning in guise to his framework past. So for whatever other imperfections there might be this season, you know, the set reuse and and, and whatnot that, that I think neither you nor I are over the moon thrilled with, I love that we are at this organic point where he's not just pretending to be tough. He is tough like this. He's tough. He, he is this bad guy you know called bosch talk now but he has done all these bad things yes it was in a virtual world but he's done them for real and and it just adds to the authenticity that's an excellent point um Cassius goes on to explain that simmons here though she was delivering poor customer service matt and and for that he's truly sorry she is an exemplary slave she traveled through time with the destroyer is she for sale uh, well, she's a companion of the Destroyer. She's an excellent motivator. So they're kind of a package deal at this point. Uh, but there's a harvest coming up, Matt. Uh, but it's it's not the harvest you and I think of Thanksgiving or other similar celebrations here. This is about Terragenesis, about creating new inhumans. There also is the hope from Cassius that uh, that uh, Bosch talk here is going to put his huge credits on the table. This hope, you know, can we can we get him to pay up? Uh, then we go back upstairs, and indeed, Pete, I needed to keep reminding myself in this episode that you know, though though Downton Abbey was bantied about with this episode, uh, bantied about by Clark Gregg, uh, here on the lighthouse, upstairs is where the poor people live, and downstairs is where the fancy people live. So back upstairs we go. Tess brings the agents, that, that youngin who's going to be, uh, be getting misted. He here, I believe, is properly named as Flint. Uh, Tess talks him up, giving a little bit of a, of a speech there. Intercut with that is Mac and Yo-Yo talking about the barbarity of it all. Everyone is hoping that he, nay, all the children won't turn. But then, Pete, it's time. And uh, Big Blue talks about uh, ascending these kids to something greater. They get their gift, Pete. How's that work out? Well, Flint almost immediately crusts up there. Yo-Yo can't watch it, which was a nice uh you know, distraction from what ultimately did happen. Um, the crust breaks. There's nothing there. And we discover at the act end that it was Yo-Yo who moved him, not that Flint's power is invisibility, like Sue Storm, which now belongs, and we can say, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, will belong once the deal is closed. Until then, Pete, you still can't use the the M word, you know what happens to those X-Men. But yes, 
a great, a great act end. Act two, Matt, begins at dinner here. Some, some laughs over conversation. And we have uh, Patrick Fabian's uh, Panarian, uh, Mr. Fabian, a, a favorite of mine from Better Call Saul, where he plays uh, Howard Hamlin, the uh, the alternatingly uh, disgusting and, and somehow likable, uh, despicable lawyer um, who's who's brought a delicacy for everybody here to snack on some snails. Yes, but Pete, before they get to those snails, I just want to point out that Panarian gets in some digs, you know. Hey, Cassius, thanks so much for having us over. Hey, you were exiled here to this to this awful place, right? And you have Cassius saying, no, Dad sent me here on purpose. Pete, I'm just going to speak now. I know you'll be able to hear this. All the, all the other uh, eldest children, uh, of which you and I are in our respective families, Clearly, Cassius is not the oldest kid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, Pete, then the, the the snails are brought out. Everybody's really psyched. Um, but but before the snail gets served, the uh, the, the rather uh, other large alien with the prominent jowl asks how the humans are so well behaved. And Fitz drops the mic saying that the humans kill each other. That's what that's what Cassius has them do. And there's this pause where, how does he know that? And then he gets to have his evil monologue. That's what Fitz would do, ritualize it up, jazz it up. And uh, really an opportunity for Ian DeCastaker to to shine here. Yeah, and like you pointed out before, having had that experience in the framework, really making use of it. We move Matt back to this newly minted inhuman whose power, we don't know what it is yet. We don't, and uh, there is, however, the feeling of uh, of getting the group back together here. We move to Fight Club, where uh, Cassius really is impressed with Mr. Marauder, sir. Uh, but now it's fight time. There's a review of Ben the telepath's uh, powers, and that he's a telepath, and he can feel all those hits are coming. First but time no- we've gotten his name, too. Something the show's got to get a little bit better at in this season um that we didn't have a name for this character you know we were calling him squarey mcthinkerton and all sorts of other things excuse me pete i my my notes i went back and checked my (laughs) notes consistently called him in the last episode in which he appeared hunky hunkerton which not for nothing pete and look i don't really have an eye for the dudes i think hunky hunkerton fit him just fine well, you know what? We're going to have a different name for him by the end of this episode because Deet. he's gone. <laughs> um, but uh, that, that he's name-checked here, finally brought in, and that we had name-checked May twice in this episode. Where, where was she, Matt? Some, something was up with her, right? She was on a mission. She hasn't come back from the mission, but wait she a minute. She was Pete. laid up. You know, she wasn't feeling well. There were, there were all these other things. So, of course... She gets brought out here, you know, from that that detestable organization. She's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., a friend of the Destroyer of Worlds, Melinda May. Very oh, man, effective Pete. way. Kevin Feige says, I can't watch this show. She's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. This, oh. this, is, this, is, this is fake. Fake, fake S.H.I.E.L.D. Stop. Uh, but a great way to end that second act. 
We come back from the act break with May ready to fight. Indeed, Pete, they jump right into the fight. There's no time wasted here. This Clark Gregg edit scintillating in its pace. Uh, we get back and forth from the fight up to the box and back again in this scene. Fitz talking to Cassius about these agents have apparently traveled through time. What? P.S. How's your dad? I had daddy troubles too. Um, which ultimately is a tangent that I don't think... Well, in this episode, they don't continue on. Maybe we're going to meet Cassius' dad. I don't know. But um, back to the May and Ben fight. And he he starts to use his thought projection to talk to her and um and ultimately it had me wondering pete let me ask your impression here did may somehow throw him some false thoughts in order to get a few hits in i i gotta be honest um I, i'm trying to do a couple things at the time i'm i'm watching it and you know all right you hit a fight here so that's they're going to go back and forth. I'm taking notes. We're tweeting along. And it, it was not quite clear to me in the presentation um, in terms of what was going on there. Um, and, you know, that's where the, the, the thought pickup as opposed to dialogue becomes a little less than clear. Well, ultimately, the inference was made to me that that she and his in her thinking back to Ben gives him a plan or part of the plan, and then he, I infer, blasted a message with Fitz, and then Fitz stands up. This fight is boring. This is awful, and um, certainly a novel way for Fitz to throw around his perceived weight in order to save you know his fellow agent of Shield. Uh, but of course a life must be given and a life must be taken and all the life stuff. So she gets sent to the surface, um, which two thoughts there, Pete, number one, tidy way to kind of get her. I mean, not for nothing. I doubt it's like, that's it for me. But, uh, so I guess writing thumbs up there, slight writing thumbs down. Once again, we're sending Melinda May to an area of the story where there is not filmed story. It's the implied stuff which they seem to do a lot with May as time goes on here and there. And I know they've been trying to work around uh, Mingna Wen's physical condition. This in an episode in which they showcase her physically, you know, as the character is a, is a warrior. But yeah, it, it is certainly difficult to continue to see her resign to such a role. Um, with that, uh, Tess um, and uh, running into the, the blue guy here, something that doesn't bode well, ultimately. And then back to Flint, uh, whose power is not yet revealed. And I loved, though we didn't get a lot of Yo-Yo in this episode, and we've not had a lot of uh, Natalia Cordova Buckley, even as a regular um, this season, I, I hope that increases. She does tell the story here of how she went through terogenesis. She had eaten the fish soup. Remember, we had the the fish that were uh, tainted with the terogen mist. Uh, she had some tacos. Tacos, Matt. What are those? Tacos are an earth food, and I kind of wondered why they went for that line. I think it was perhaps just to to encourage the moment of levity there. Uh, I, I could have done without the pause for the chuckle and the, boy, what, life is different from where you come from? But, yeah, that said, Pete, nothing 
quite like a nice taco. So uh, at the end of the day, I suppose I have to agree. Well, how about a beer here and um, Yo-Yo explaining that the effect, you know, her her speed manifesting, she thought someone had put cocaine in her beer. Dial it back there, Escobar. (laughs) I understood that reference. Um, Unfortunately, Pete, this whole, you know, Yo-Yo backstory and finding out about how she became an inhuman Grill has overheard that, too. He magnetizes everybody to the magnetically inclined metal near them, <laughs> and he's going to tell Cassius. Cut to Cassius, not being told yet, but he tells uh, the crowd that actually it turns out he can't sell them Ben because Ben is a lying, lying, you-know-what, no-good-nick, and uh, the punishment for that is death. And Ben receives Sonara's ball blast straight to the chest. And that is that for him to end the act. Our fourth act, Matt, begins here with uh, Coulson telling Grill he's home early. Um, But now it all makes sense. This is why they didn't have any metrics. Um, And Coulson lays it all on the table. They came from the past to save the world. Oh, he's speaking of the prophecy. Oh, that makes it all right. Right, Matt? Uh, He might be a rube, but Grill is ready to be a rich rube once he turns them all over to Cassius, including Yo-Yo. However, Pete, he doesn't see that the pebbles under him are starting to rise. I think that we have... We have a moment of resolution coming soon. I can't imagine who it is who's doing that. Is it Superman? It's Superman <laughs> in his coffin, and things are beginning to vibrate uh, above him in one movie that will happen, uh, that will culminate in the next <laughs> awful movie. Back we go to Simmons and Daisy, who, Pete, I don't mean to underplay with the words R.I.P. Ben or whatever. The characters give Ben a good 15 seconds of mourning and the actresses really get behind it. But the script just has a moment to go, R.I.P. Ben or whatever. Then they move on. What's the plan? Hey, come fight night. Daisy will have her powers. Simmons says, I have a knife. Pete, I would argue, that's not a knife. But I digress. They separate. Then Simmons sees Fitz. He's in the shadows. There's perhaps some slight slow motion there. Clark Gregg really getting the best out of the camera work there. They're going to get to see each other. But another slave says that Simmons is needed elsewhere. Pete, rats foiled again. And Enoch interrupts there. Is there a problem? Of course there is. Someone else has arrived. His brother, Matt. (sighs) Back we go to Grill berating the agents. That's when rocks seem to errantly, I haven't seem to, rocks are errantly flying. Um, That's when I said, oh, Pete, it's Flint. Get it? Flint, rock. Okay, that's perhaps a bit on the nose, but whatevs. Um, And and Grill, quite agitated here, pulls a gun. He tells Grill to stop, uh, pardon me, he tells Flint to stop it. Flint gets some words of encouragement from Yo-Yo. And to that point, the Grill makes a giant boulder, taking out Grill, which is the fate of all men of a certain age when they share the screen with Clark Gregg, R.I.P. Grill, to end the act. 
especially in an episode he's directing there, man, come on to, to put this guy down. The final act here, Matt begins with, with Fitz confronting Cassius about his brother coming for the destroyer. Yes. Fitz as evil Bosch, uh, is not happy. Bosch talk. Bosch talk. He wanted to, Oh, I suppose for some reason I thought it was first name Bosch, last name talk, but I guess that wouldn't make <laughs> as much sense as Bosch talk. Um, he's upset that he apparently won't even get an opportunity to, uh, to, to make an offer here, you know, but Kaz probably ain't selling since his brother is just so awesome. Pete, that's how you know Kaz is a younger sibling because he looks up to his older sibling so much. Absolutely. Uh, Enoch hands over a secret package to Fitz who sticks it in his jacket. Pete, there's a literary term you might be familiar with, with uh, such a thing where I wonder if they're going to use this package mm. later in the episode. But what do they call that literary term again? That would be foreshadowing, or are we referring to uh, Chekhov's gun? I uh, well, I would say within the w within the uh, the category of foreshadowing, there's specifically Chekhov's gun. Here we literally have a Chekhov's gun, in that uh, this gun is going to get fired later. But Pete, let's go back upstairs. The Kree guard, he's looking for somebody. It's Flint. We can infer. He does an extensive search of Grill's office, seeing Grill's feet and none of the people behind the door in Grill's office. There's like either five or 500 people hanging out there, ready to attack, almost Scooby-Doo style. Ooh, yikes, let's hide behind the door. Listen, Matt, there's a reason that certain Kree guards get banished to certain levels. And let's just say it's it's based on performance. Um, meanwhile, uh, back upstairs with the rich people, um, Cassius is convinced here with his brother showing up. He, he tells Sonora that their fate is soon at hand. Uh, we learn some stuff about the brother not a name matt but that he's the uh, most trusted uh messenger he's also bluer than uh his brother is he refers to sonara several times as a stray which is interesting on the characterization there also refers to the lighthouse as a cesspool um but uh, he lays it down that the destroyer. This is this is not going to be Matt like your WWE where where you're going to face a, a jabroni, um, you know, and, and pick up the easy W. She's got to face a Cree warrior, um, and he wants it to be Sonora, who of course is uh, not ready. She's not ready to perform, Matt. Ne never never ready. A, I like how Bro says, but wait, she's your lead guard. Of course she has to be ready. And uh, we see the weaselly nature of Cassius here who, uh, you know, he's reminded if, he, if this fight goes well, you'll get approval from dad. So Cassius gives a really great pep top to Sonara, who I'm going to, which I'm going to summarize here. Hey, Sonara. Uh, fight to the death. That's your death. But put on a good show, please. Thanks for all your service. Peace. Yeah, that he had been cowering behind her in the past. He wants that approval. Um, and she says to the death here. Uh, but he's confident there's going to be great spectacle. 
um, back to Flint. Matt, he wants to leave. He's killed his best customer after all. Um, he used to give me tokens, but uh, Colson and uh, Mac, they're going to go find Tess, uh, get him on a trawler. Um, some walk and talk there between uh, Colson and Mac that uh, Flint should be playing ball, perhaps even running for the student council. Uh, Mac comes with the oddly specific class treasurer, yet he served in that capacity three times. Lightening the mood, Matt, before... Tess is dead. Pete, this is an episode where they're shedding recurring characters aplenty. This is the third person killed in this episode. Ben, Grill, and now Tess. Wow. I hope they don't kill anyone else. Back we go to Fight Club, where the Destroyer doesn't look like much. And indeed, credit to Clark Gregg with the camera angle looking from a high position down on her. And then, of course, Chloe Bennett being a little extra meek. Um, for extra protection, though, Cassius turns on the space shield, which has its whole gritting effect. And then, Pete, did you know that space shields, when they are fully powered, they do not appear to be doing anything? That's how you save on the space credits, Mark Colpack. Good job, buddy. Uh, it's a good fight that they have. Um, although, and it's kind of like one of these darned if you do, darned if you don't. Do you know why Daisy doesn't just simply force blast Sonara the entire time? Because TV, and you have to have a fight. And that Sonara's balls, which is an odd thing to say. <laughs> um, but entirely accurate. They, they can go through a guy, but um, <laughs> they, they can't go through Daisy. Yes, this is the one time where... Her spheroid metal attack does not go through someone and sends them pummeling. I think that's the, there's your story baloney. Now they did ricochet. So maybe, all right, you want to tell me they needed to get enough speed. They need to hit 88 miles per hour before they can go through somebody or uh, a little little downtime before they could. Are you saying there's a refractory period on uh, those things that she throws? Pete, all I know is this, is that they were not ready to go, and she pays the price. Um, This is all intercut with the revelation that Fitz has a piece, Holmes. And uh, ultimately, though, in a really great moment, Sonara's coming at Daisy full forest, and Daisy, like, force punches her. Like, it's with Mm -hmm. that degree simultaneous to this Fitz pulls his gun Simmons has the knife Pete theory for later I better write this down is Cass dead because he no we gets... saw we saw that he's alive because initially I'm oh. like she went right across his throat and then it, it was actually higher up on his face his cheek he is not dead oh uh, Simmons de- definitively uh but you know Daisy you know, levitates herself up there. It's a, it's a great moment of it all coming together. And then what does Cassius's brother do? He turns on the inhibitor. She falls down. Um, we have Simmons and Fitz leaving the, uh, the gladiatorial box there. Fitz turning around and firing icers in midair. Uh, it, this makes the perfect time, Matt, as Simmons and Fitz come together for Simmons to ask Fitz 
to marry him, not having heard that earlier in the episode. And he shoots a Cree on the way out the door to end that last act. We return in the tag scene with a super tall Cree guy and a uh, familiar sounding but very blue Cree guy. Pete, take us through what's what. It's Enoch who uh, says, hello, friend. I am a Cree, as I always have been. <laughs> okay. Um, and then he opens the uh, the lift door there and takes him out and says, uh, he is not a person. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, let's begin with... Your favorite, my favorite, nay, the lighthouse's favorite, Cassius. I am glad that uh, you caught the detail that he is not also quite deet as well, along with the other <laughs> three recurring characters. Um, I mean, there's the actor is doing a wonderful job making Cassius be slimy and holier than thou, and I love the extra character bit here of. Yes, he's the big fish in the small pond, but he was sent to the small pond by dad, uh, which makes me think hopefully we'll see dad at mm -hmm. some point. And all this family intrigue is just really fun. Um, and I'll point out here, I think his makeup was done slightly differently, which um, it's it's nice to see how they've done these variations uh, on the Cree makeup. Um, something I'll talk about a bit more in the, in the theory segment, but I just visually his he has a really nice presentation especially with some of the uh i'll say freckling it's not to suggest he has actual freckles one way or the other but some of that freckling effect that really adds texture to his face he's our main cree of course we should have an interesting guy to look at as a director and certainly as someone who stars on the show clark Gregg has always been very very gracious with everyone's involvement and he took great lengths over social media the past couple days to point out the tremendous efforts of everybody involved. And one in particular was of, of the makeup people. We don't have uh, Wendy Lynn uh, McCovey there anymore uh, doing that. So it's, it's newer people to the show in terms of its run, but uh, you, you'd never sense any uh, lack of continuity that's happened with the, uh, the product. Um, and then when we get to Sonara here, Matt, you, we, we've heard her speak. Uh, she, she pretty much uh, quadrupled her output of dialogue in this episode. She was ready to bite to the death. She gets, gets iced at the very end of the episode, so sticking around. Certainly hope we're going to see more of her. I did find it a little less than believable for her to be fighting in the zipper dress. Hmm. Um, probably a fair point. And uh, I mean, the, the mild observations that we've had about, you know, possibly some cost cutting, uh, stuff here, uh, aside, I, I don't know that it's the worst. I don't know that it's the worst TV production idea to be like, Oh, and she's going to fight in the same outfit. Like, does is it worth the trouble of conceptualizing, tailoring, measuring, camera testing, uh, etc.? This, I mean, I guess it would be mildly more authentic. 
I will say this, Pete, if you can make all of that process of get me the sketches and let's look at fabrics and let's bring her back in for, for, for fittings, if you can make all that go away with, um, and the fight is so immediate, so she must wear the same costume, problem solved, you know, I'm okay with that. Well, Matt, I have to include Patrick Fabian's Panarian on our list here. Given the grief that he gives Fitz, our Bosch talk, uh, the Marauder. Yeah, he's a really, he has a charisma to him. He's been working on TV and film since the mid to late 90s. Pete, he had a turn in Saved by the Bell, the college years, so... That's a show I'm sure that's near and dear to all our hearts. Um, but just he carries a gravitas with him. He carries a um, uh, a sense of class, but also the possibility that maybe he's, you know, kind of inauthentically of that class, you know, nouveau riche or whatever it might be. Oh, look at my space caviar that I bought because, I don't know, I heard it's good space caviar. Um, I really, really like his presence on screen. I hope there's a lot more of him. And, you know, just going back to Better Call Saul playing uh, Howard Hamlin, you know, this this lawyer who's the, you know, uh, head partner at a firm with uh, with Jimmy McGill's with Saul's uh, brother um, and really running the day to day operations. This is a guy who's so pompous, Matt, um, that he has trademarked a, a blue color ham lindigo blue uh that he gets into a copyright infringement suit with uh with jimmy mcgill over and and he can play him petty and then he can be completely disarming and and you're like wait is that the same character and i think that's the the brilliance of patrick fabian so been a fan of his for a couple years now well pete speaking of blue Hey, brother. We have the character of brother who uh, is equally enjoyable. I mean, we know Kasai is better, and I think that we can dislike Kasai as a person and love him as a character. And uh, just the holier-than-thou attitude from brother uh, is—it's delicious. Even though he that, that makes him even less uh, likable. If only we could find out if he blued himself. Well. Pete, I want to talk about that in the theory segment. Should we head there now? Absolutely. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Pete, serious theory question here. We see in the presence of brother that he is a kind of consistent dark blue. That's a blue that we see with uh, many of the rank and file um many of the rank and file guards when i saw the guards like that uh, my assumption was well yeah they're putting kind of one shade on there they're not going crazy uh, as they might with Cassius and sonara who are getting more close-ups and things of that sort but the point is this pete do you think a brother is representing kind of the a quote-unquote proper skin tone and the fact that Cassius and Sonara are wearing makeup and we see it with another guard too who had some really great kind of black ridges around his eyes kind of is there some sort of um is there a social commentary going on either because these characters are wearing you know white makeup just to change how they look or is there some sort of oh I want to look less blue I want to look less Cree 
any kind of thoughts there. I don't know that it's makeup. I don't know that it's not some genetic variation, um, you know, just in their appearance as opposed to what Simmons is made to wear with the with the gold on her forehead, which is not the greatest makeup design, but it, I don't think it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be cumbersome and, and therefore goofy. I, I truly don't know, Matt. I, I think you could be onto something. It, it could just be a, a difference. Maybe some explanation. We'll have to see. I know that we had a, a listener point out several weeks ago, um, kind of, you know, Cassius's model after the these kind of not Roman emperor, but these kind of Roman right. Roman upper class folks. I had wondered, you know, I don't know if the Romans powdered their their faces. I know later in in European history that was a thing. Certainly, sixteen hundred, seventeen hundreds. I just wondered, is he kind of back in his room, going, "Oh, I have to get my." my white rouge done correctly and is that speaking not to an effeminate nature i'm not suggesting that but is that just speaking to a certain haughtiness to him um it would be neat if it's something they get into if not and it's just yeah. part of the design that's cool too let's talk about may matt uh talk they're sending her down to the surface there she's gonna have to contend with the roaches those Vrelnexians. uh what do you make of that I wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> if in the first 10 minutes of next week's episode if she gets uh she gets intercepted on her way there and we truly finally get all the agents of shield along with some of their new friends all back in one scene in a big triumphant moment um I just kind of sensed that it was more a story stick a pin in it so she's not dead and we're going to see her fate later Last from me, Matt, Enoch handed um, Fitz the bundle there. We now know there was an icer in it, and uh, Fitz told him he needed him to do one more thing. We see him on his way to do this at the end of the episode, of course, in disguise as a Cree. What is his mission? Well, I was hoping you weren't going to ask that. Like five <laughs> minutes ago, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that because I'm like, I didn't really know what's going on there. And it's okay if they they haven't given us much context because the, the tag is a pull to next week. But hold on, Pete. We have one other mystery other than where's he going. It's May's fate. Maybe he's moving to intercept and he's going to be the one who's going to say, I am taking this prisoner, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. I am with Fitz. Come with me. That kind of thing. So maybe it's going to get wrapped up in the first five minutes of next week's episode. Transmissions. Let's check the wire, Matt. Pete, we ran a poll on Twitter which read as follows. How'd you like tonight's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. retweet, reply, and vote? Uh, glad to see there were plenty of retweets on that too. Uh, as of this moment, Pete, 140 votes on it. Here were your options. Four stars, we're engaged. Three stars, good squid. Two stars, grills my boy. And one star, I'm a Cree. So, and Pete, this coming in with uh, 89% of voters saying four stars, uh, 5% saying three stars, 
uh, 1% saying Grills My Boy. And a little surprised to see 5% of votes saying One Star I'm a Cree. I will admit this is not the best episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that they have ever aired. This was a perfectly fun episode. I don't know where you're getting One Star from. Maybe, yeah. Pete, I have uncovered the fact that there actually are a Cree out there. <laughs> Indeed. Maybe somebody's upset that uh, Simmons chose Fitz and, and not himself. Uh, we also had, in response to that poll, a couple people responding. Uh, Serendipity824 said a very important vote. Absolutely, Pete. You can't complain if you don't vote. Uh, we also heard from uh, at Geraldine Doraz, that's with a Z at the end, Doraz2, uh, who said, love it. And then an enthusiastic reply from uh, Stephanie Van Cranen, that's at ATWT Mom 2. They totally marvelously rocked it. Four stars. Hashtag Agents of Shield. Then was nice enough to tag the following people Pete, Clark Greg, Chloe Bennett, uh, Elizabeth Henstridge, Natalia Cordova Buckley, Mark Holpack, and the Agents of Shield account, and Marissa Tancherowen, who, by the way, Pete, I know I'm pronouncing Marissa Tancherowen and her name correctly. Because she told us that on Twitter back before the show started. So some enthusiasm there. Last thing I want to mention, Pete, uh, my uh, poll there, our poll there. How would you like tonight's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Liked by a couple people, including Elizabeth Henstridge. So it's been a good night all the way around. Have you heard from any cast members tonight, Pete? I did. I threw a tweet out there into the Aether when Melinda May played by, of course, the luminous Ming-Na Wen was brought out into the pit. And I said, telepath or no, Ben doesn't have much of a chance against even a hobbled Ming-Na, which she promptly favorited and retweeted. And as of this moment, Matt, as we're recording at 1142 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, I have 25,000 impressions here. Uh <laughs> With 45 retweets and 226 likes. So thank you, Ming-Na, uh, who we also had the pleasure of uh, interviewing uh, back in, uh, that was season two. Pete, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. love. It is a circle. We are one Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. family. It really is uh, it, it really is special. And I will admit, this one week break that sounded like nothing two weeks ago, it was like, where you guys been it's so great to have shield back <laughs> and uh as always pete it's made possible maybe not the love maybe not the agents of shield but our podcast and our family of podcasts remaining on the ether of the internet because of our pals on patreon.com slash fantastic geek absolutely 13 podcast feeds more coming uh all helped out by our patrons so get yourself over to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash fantastic geek everybody who contributes gets exclusive podcast content um and we we cannot be uh grateful enough for what you provide us with with uh you know everything we're doing right now uh, Star Trek Discovery coming back on for its second chapter of season one being Sunday. And Matt, I know a lot of people are are doing this run up to Infinity War where they're going to watch a movie every Saturday heading into uh, 
uh, Avengers Infinity War. So we've got a podcast for that. Check out the, the Marvel movie podcast by Fantastic Geek. Watch your movie on a Saturday then fire up our, our podcast. We've got all 17 Marvel Universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe films there ready to go for you. Exciting times as always. And uh, Pete, of course, if people want to get in touch with you to say, hey, Pete, you called back in 2013 that uh, Quicksilver was going to die or whatever it is. How can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,734 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole variety of ways. Visit FantasticGeek.com, email FantasticGeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram as well, where we are, Fantastic Geek. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. If you're listening to us on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed, we, of course, will be back next week for the next exciting adventure of our agents. If you're listening to this on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, as mentioned previously, we got Discovery on Sunday, Runaways on Tuesday, and then, Pete, we might actually not podcast anything else all the way until Friday. So a huge <laughs> break from Tuesday to Friday. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Pete, after we do the Runaways Season 1 wrap-up probably next weekend, we're only going to do two shows a week. I don't know what we're going to do with ourselves. We'll have to spend time with our, our individual wives and loved ones and things like that. We'll make it work. Indeed we will. With that, Pete, I will say adios, adios, adios. That's for the three people who were killed off this episode give you the final word hopefully you found this display more to your liking <laughs>